There's some neat things about the book of Acts. And uh, with the help of the Lord, I'm going to present a little bit on it and uh, talk about Jesus, talk about the power of his name, what all that means. Acts chapter 4, and uh, we're, we're, we'll take our time later and, and, and catch the parts we missed, but why don't you start in, in verse number 8. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Ghost, said unto them, rulers and people and elders, if we are being examined today concerning a good deed done to the crippled man, by what means this man has been healed, let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man is standing before you well. This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has now become the cornerstone, and there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Now that right there, preach all day and all night long, and I'm not that I'm going to preach all day and all night, but I'm going to do my best to preach it the way that I feel it. There's just some things you read in the Bible and you can just hear it being preached. You can hear the power contained thereof. It's by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. You can be seated. I'm going to do, in, in part of my sermon today, I'm going to give you two different illustrations that reference, uh, one is going to reference um, a, a, a thing that, that happened in the Hindu culture and another one is going to reference something that happened in the Muslim culture. I'd be, I'm always very careful that I don't, uh, and, and, and you understand, I believe there is one truth. I believe there is one living God, but I do my very best to be kind and not blast other people for what they believe. Uh, I, I don't agree with it, and so when I read these, I'm not trying to make fun. I just want to show you sometimes the um, sort of the, the emptiness or the futility of sometimes the things that people do. This was an article, and I, I neglected to write down where it was, but it was an article on May the 6th, 2011. It happens in New Delhi, and uh, this came off of the Reuters wire. I don't know if it was in Reuters or if that's just where they pulled the news story from, but it says it's a bank with no security gates, a bank with no guards or locks, but yet there are deposits from thousands of customers across India are stacked on the shelves, protected from theft by the grace of God. It's in a cramped room in a small house in the northern Indian state of Uttar Pradesh that the Ram Ram Bank offers no interest or loans but has over 5,000 customers who flock to deposit there in that bank documents bearing their God's name. Lovelesh Tawari, who founded the bank 25 years ago, says there's no need for security, there's no fear of theft. They say that people feel better by writing God's name as it becomes a medium to release their pent-up frustrations and eventually the faith will make them work towards their goal. And, their goal. and so the bank's customers will write uh, Ram, who is the protagonist in an Indian mythological epic, and they will write it on a piece of paper. At least one person in those 25 years have written that simple name Ram over 100,000 times and deposits them in that bank. They used to do it on the back of cigarette packs and pieces of old newspaper, but now you can walk in and get proper paper. 
One person said, my daughter got admission into an engineering college after I deposited Ram's name in the bank. Another one says that his list of depositors includes bureaucrats and politicians and members of the judiciary. Every six months, those deposits are sent to be displayed in a temple. They're what they call the birthplace of Ram. They've even opened up a few other branches, putting, writing the name of their God there. I'd like to tell you today that while I don't know if that's exactly how I would do it, I'm going to tell you today you can bank on the name of Jesus. You can bank on the name of Jesus. It's not FDIC insured, but it won't matter because it's never going to go out. It might not be the, 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 the most popular thing that, that has ever been, but I love it. Let me take you back to a story. In the book of, of, of Acts, starting in chapter 3, it seems to happen uh, chronologically right after the upper room experience. But Peter and Jane, or Peter and John, rather, are still praying at the temple. They would go there, and they are still uh, offering up alms and perhaps sacrifices. And it is that that they they're walking in, and there's a lame man that sits sat there. What they called the gate there to the temple. It was called the beautiful gate. And this man does what you have seen other people who uh, have been down on their luck or invalid and he is sitting there and he is begging alms, alms. It's a perfect place to be because those that are going into the, the temple, they, they are already, you know, they love the Lord and they, they probably have a little bit of money to give and it's a perfect place to pull on their heartstrings. and so he was there. Well, I'm sure there were professional beggars. This man really had a problem. He had a problem the Bible indicates for almost 40 years. He was lame. And as he calls out to Peter and John, alms, alms, do you have anything for a poor beggar? Peter kind of stops and, and that impetuous nature of Peter jumps up. And it, I can just see it coming out of Peter's mouth before he even thought about it. He said, silver and gold have I none. I don't have any money. I wish I did, but I've spent the last three years walking with Jesus and he didn't give me a paycheck. He said, but silver and gold have I none, but I've got something much better. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise and walk. Now, I know that Peter had seen Jesus perform miracles. I know that Peter had walked on water, but as far as I know, Peter had not ever yet prayed for someone and they had been healed. Perhaps, maybe, I don't know, but as far as I can tell, that's not happened. It was a leap of faith. For Peter to say rise and Peter grabs his hand and Peter pulls him up and I don't know what was in Peter's mind. I don't know if he's like me, you'd have got that dude up on his feet and you're holding the weight and then in the back of your mind you're going, now what? What if I let go and he falls down? Young people, I was about 16 years old, uh, 15 or 16 years old and and there was a, a family in our youth group and and. The, the young, the, the people in our youth group, their mom had developed a huge brain tumor in her mind, in, in her, 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 her uh, brain. And, and so we knew about it. It had been growing. It had been there. And we were wondering, you know, her, her children were scared. They were nervous. And, and she was there. We were at a prayer meeting. And you know how y'all had that prayer meeting Tuesday night around here and the power of God was so powerful? Growing up there at, at Flow Valley Apostolic Church, which is now called the Sanctuary, 
that was my youth group and we had prayer on Sunday nights like y'all have and I remember there were moments as a young kid, a young young adult, I would walk down the hall to go to that prayer room and I could hear him praying and there were moments that I would walk through the door of that prayer room and it was like just instantly you walk through that door, tears streamed down my face, the power of God was so incredible. And I remember we were at a prayer meeting at, at, at my friend Grant's house. And while we were there, Sister Dawn w- was there and, and she was kind of uh, helping with the prayer. And finally she said, hey guys, would you all pray for me? I've got this brain tumor. I've got an MRI scheduled. Would you pray for me? At this point, I, I had preached a sermon before, but I had not formulated in my mind that I was going to be an evangelist or a preacher or a pastor. I just loved God and I wanted to see what God could do. And I was an older young person and so Sister Dawn said, pray for me. And so I did what everybody else did. Pastor wasn't there. I don't know where a youth pastor was at the moment. But we all just put our hands on Sister Dawn. I remember I laid my hands on her head and I began to pray and something began to hit me. I began to realize Jesus can heal. And so I was going and I had one of those Peter moments. I almost blurted out, you're healed. And it got right to the back of my teeth. And I said, yeah, I'm going to say that and she's going to die tomorrow. And no one's ever going to listen to a word I said. It's, it's faith. You know, I, I had lots of faith. But I didn't say anything. I just mm, kind of bite that down. I don't know how she found out about it, but at the end of that prayer meeting, she came to me, she said, Brandon, she said, you were going to say something and you stopped. What were you going to say? And I'm kind of caught because my parents taught me a good lesson. They taught me not to lie. And so I had to tell her, I said, Sister Dawn, I've never felt this before in my life, but as I was praying for you, I just, I heard God say, she's healed. And so I said, Lord, I, I don't know. Well, it, it was about a week, and I lived in the old days. I lived in the 1900s, and... Uh, <laughs> I lived in the 1900s and and I had to walk a half mile to my bus stop because for whatever reason buses could not come into subdivision it didn't make any sense it's like they just stopped and so I would literally walk we we did it with the car a half a mile to all the way to Shackleford Road and so I'd walk and so I would come back all the way we happened to live at the very back of subdivision I'm walking up and there's somebody in my in my driveway and that's not normal and then it's a lady and that was really weird finally as I got closer I realized it was Sister Dawn and she was holding a great big manila envelope and she was doing this mom and dad weren't home and she came and she was a, 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 a you know she she was one of those hugger type people you know and she just accosted me and she put her arms around me and she said Brandon Brandon I had to come I had to show you what was happening and she pulls out an MRI brother Perryman and there in the middle of her brain was a solid gray mass that was about the size of her fist if I remember correctly and it was there that she showed this is my brain and this is a tumor but oh Brandon today I had an MRI and let me show you what happened and she pulls out an MRI and there was not a tumor not a spot not a gray thing there and I begin to realize you can bank on the name of Jesus It was just a few weeks after that that my dad developed that cancer that he had. And you've heard that testimony before. And if you haven't, you need to catch him. I don't have enough time. All I can tell you is God took a test that showed he had cancer all throughout uh, his liver area. And God, just in a few days, took a cancerous test and changed it to benign. 
Not that they made a mistake. They came back and said, we don't understand. Here's the cancerous test. We sent it to another lab. They can prove it. But all I can tell you right now, the doctor said someone upstairs was listening. And I remember my mom saying, well, doctor, it's more than just somebody upstairs. I know his name. Jesus can do great and marvelous things. You can bank on the name of Jesus. And so it was that Peter and John, he did that and now all of a sudden this man that seems to be lame from his mother womb and another place indicates he was about 40 years old, he goes leaping and jumping and and going throughout the town and he is excited. And then he won't leave Peter and James alone. Well, there were these Sadducees, they were the... They were kind of the, some of the religious leaders of, of the Jewish uh, religion. And then you had the priests. They got a little concerned. And so they laid hands on Peter and John. And they brought them there into uh, the court. I find it very interesting. The Bible says that they put them in custody into, for, for overnight. And, and, and uh, you know, it was the rulers and the elders and the scribes and Ananias, the high priest, and Caiaphas and John and Alexander... And all who were with the high priest family. If you do any research in that, you'll find out that God never intended the high priest to just randomly give the high priest office to whoever he wanted to give. There was a succession going on, but they had already thrown out most of Moses' law, so why not throw that out? And this was a perfect place for nepotism to run rampant. And so you have all of this family. It was so corrupt. There was no word of God there. And, and, and the Sanhedrin, they were, they were tasked with protecting the Jewish faith. So anytime someone would come and teach something, they would, they would investigate it. And that's okay, but the problem is they didn't have any authority to arrest people, much less refused to honestly examine the evidence. So they get this kangaroo court going. They did everything they could to to avoid the question. You notice, and, and I don't know if, I was reading the English Standard Version, but if you look in the different ones, they don't say the miracle. They don't say this man was healed. They keep saying, what did you do? What was this that happened? They didn't want to say this man was healed. This kind of messes their theology all up. They did everything they could. They said, how in the world did you do this? The Bible says that Peter was filled with the Holy Ghost. Now this isn't necessarily a second in filling because Peter on the day of Pentecost when God had filled that that upper room, 120 of those disciples, God had put his spirit inside of Peter. What it is, is if you will, it's getting activated right now. Something begins to stir in Peter. He has tasted the goodness of God. He understands that what that happened, this is that, that was spoken of by the prophet Joel in the last days, saith the Lord, I will pour out of my spirit. He begins to remember the words of Jesus that said in the last days, you can pray for the sick and they shall recover. In the last days, you'll cast out demons. In the last days, if you pick up a snake and it bites you, you can shake it off in the fire like Paul did. And, and Peter begins to hear those words and he stands up in that court and he says, well, let me help you out. If you really want to investigate this, if you really want to see what happened, if you want to know by what means this man has been healed, then don't hang out in this court alone because I'm going to tell you and I'm going to tell your mama and I'm going to tell your mama's mama and I'm going to tell anybody that will listen that the one, the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth and Peter don't pull any punches, he said that's the one y'all killed. Remember that? 
In fact, he goes on a little bit further. He said it's, it's the one that God raised from the dead. By him, by Jesus, is this man standing. And then he says this. This Jesus. See, Jesus is not a, a unique name. Jesus uh, is a derivation of Joshua. And so in Jesus' time, there was a lot of Jesuses running around. I know that might mess you up, but it was a common name. There's nothing special about the name of Jesus. There were other Jesuses. There were other Joshuas running around. But Peter wanted to make sure we're talking about the right one. That's why he said, this Jesus whom you crucified. Probably there hadn't been any Jesuses crucified lately. And then he said, this Jesus is the stone that was rejected and now has become the cornerstone. In fact, he goes a little bit further. He says, but let me tell you this. Not only is there healing in the name of Jesus, but neither is there salvation in any other name. For there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. I don't know if they were asking this question. But I get the idea they were asking what God did this. And what Peter was trying to tell him, it's the same God you are serving. You just haven't followed it all the way through. And you're kind of getting hung up. This Jesus, in fact, verse 13 of, of Acts chapter 4 says, they saw the boldness of Peter and John. And they knew they were ignorant and unlearned men. They hadn't gone to Bible school. They didn't go to college. They didn't, should not have this knowledge. And they were astonished. Not only that, the Bible says they realized it. it suddenly began to click. Oh, they were the ones that walked with Jesus. See, Caiaphas and, and, and uh, Ananias and some of those, they were the same ones that put Jesus to death. And so John, we know that through the, the story of the Gospels, John stayed with Mary through every part. John was at every trial. From what I can tell, John was right there in the midst of it. Peter was out in the courtyard cussing and cursing and saying, I don't know this Jesus. This was before the Holy Ghost came. But they realized, man, we know y'all. You've walked with him. I love the way the English Standard Version, and that's kind of like I've told you, this has been my, my Bible right now that I've been using the version. But it says they were astonished, and they recognized that they had been with Jesus. And then you have this, this but they saw the man who was healed standing beside them. Bob, you and I were talking before church, and it's hard to argue with, a, with somebody's experience. I don't care if you think it was witchcraft, Ouija boards, or a voodoo doll, or whatever it is. If a man that you have passed by every time to walk to the temple is now leaping and rejoicing, and you knew right away, you knew that he wasn't faking. It's kind of hard to say he wasn't healed when the guy that's healed is standing right there. Someone said, well, I don't believe that God can heal. I don't think God does miracles anymore today. I don't think God has that kind of power. That's not for us today. It's hard to argue with that. In fact, the Bible says they couldn't say anything about it. There was nothing they could do. And so they had to call an audible. They said, hold on, we got to go back and we've got to talk about it. And so the Sanhedrin and the others, they got together and they began behind the closed doors. They said, what are we going to do? We can't deny it, the Bible says. We know this is a true miracle that has happened. So here's what we'll do. They called Peter and John back in and they said, then here's what it is. 
We can't deny that God moved. We can't deny that a miracle happened. But we refuse to allow you to speak or teach in the name of Jesus. So don't tell anybody about what happened. Okay. First off, Peter and John wouldn't have had to say anything. Because there was this man that was running for the first time in his life doing laps around the city and everybody was paying attention to the man that had used to be uh, 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 lame and now is running. But Peter and John said, well, you can decide whether it's right or not to listen to you. And if you want to put me in jail, you can. But there is nothing I can do except to speak of what I have seen and what I have heard. I'm going to tell you today, I love the word of God. And I love the gospel and I love the theology. But right now what this world needs is not another Bible study and some doctrine. What this world needs is for you to simply go out and tell them what you've seen and what you've heard that God is doing in the midst of your congregation and in the midst of your life. They'll get to the place where they want to learn more about the Word of God. They'll get to the place where they want to learn more about the doctrines and they want to get deep. But right now, there are people in your neighborhoods and people in your schools and your colleges and your work that are so hungry for a miracle because they have tried everything and nothing works. You need to just tell them what God is doing. Hallelujah. Hold on, I've gotten past my notes. I've got to get to where I am. They taught me in Bible school you should never do this, but I've got to do it. Jesus said it best. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father except through me and I know there are some and I've been raised in this all my life and I've had people look at me I've had people in O'Fallon look at me and say you're one of them Jesus only churches all you ever do is talk about Jesus all you ever do is preach about Jesus and let me help you out first off we I don't remember when it was but we preached that that Peter, when on the day of Pentecost, after the Holy Ghost fell, he stood up on one of those balconies and he began to preach to the 3,000 that were there. And, and, and what did he say? He didn't say this is something new. He said this is that which was spoken of by the prophet Joel. What he was saying was, guess what? What's happening right now in the book of Acts was prophesied in the Old Testament. But he takes it a step further. If you go back to, ver- or to chapter 3, this is what Peter says. He, he says... Uh, in, in verse 24, this is after that lame man. I mean, he is clinging to Peter and James with everything he has. He ain't going to let him go. And all these people, there's about 5,000 people, it seems to indicate, that are gathering around somewhere, and they're kind of figuring out what's going on. They've never seen this before. And Peter says this. He says, and all the prophets. Brother Harvey, what does the word all mean? Everything. Everything. He says, and all the prophets who have spoken from Samuel to all those that came after proclaimed these days. He said, you are the sons of the prophets and the covenant that God made with your father saying to Abraham, in your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. God, having raised up his servants, sent him to you first to bless you by turning every one of you from your wickedness. This is what Peter was saying. Every prophet in the Old Testament 
was prophesying about Jesus. He may not have used that name, but they were prophesying about Jesus. And Peter said, everything I do is in the name of Jesus. Colossians 2.9 says this, For in him, for in Jesus Christ, dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. That means everything about God, everything that God is, was, and ever will be, was contained within the form of a man that walked on the face of this earth. And when you looked at Jesus, you were looking at the visible representation of the God in heavens. In fact, Jesus himself said in Matthew 28, 18, he said, And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and his earth. Brother Steve, Steve, what, what, what does all power mean? All power. If I have all the money in the world, how much money do you have, Brother Don? None. If Jesus has all of the power, then there can't be any other God up there with any power. And my Bible tells me in the Old Testament that God says I'm not going to share my power with anybody. And so you can't have two gods up in heaven and one give all their power away. And so Jesus was just trying to say, I am the same God you've been praying to from Genesis all the way to the book of Malachi. And all the way through, Jane, or through uh, uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. He said, all power is given unto me in heaven and earth. So go ye therefore and teach all nations and baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Ghost and teach them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you and lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the world. I cannot for the life of me remember who said this and so you'll just have to let me kind of get to it. I wish I could give credit. I have author unknown here. But one person talking about Jesus said it this way. He's the first and the last, the beginning and the end, the keeper of creation and the creator of all. He's the architect of the universe, the manager of all times. He always was, he always is, and he always will be. Jesus is unmoved, unchanged, undefeated, and never undone. He was bruised and brought healing. He was pierced and eased pain. He was persecuted and brought freedom. He was dead but brought life. He was risen and brings power. He reigns and brings peace. The world can't understand him. Armies can't defeat him. The schools can't explain him. Leaders can't ignore him. Herod couldn't kill him. Pharisees couldn't confuse him. People couldn't hold him. Nero couldn't crush him. Hitler couldn't silence him. The new age can't replace him and Oprah can't explain him away. The, he's light. He's love. He's the longevity. He's the Lord. He's goodness and kindness and gentleness and God and holy and righteousness and mighty and powerful and pure. His name is Jesus. His ways are right. His word is eternal. His will is unchanging. His mind is on me. He's my savior, my guide, my peace, my joy, my comfort, my Lord. And he rules my life. The writer says, I serve him because his bond is love. His burden is light and his goal for me is abundant life. I follow him because he is the wisdom of the wise, the power of the powerful, the ancient of days, the ruler of rulers, the leader of leaders, the overseers of overcomers. And if that seems impressive to you, the writer says, try this on for size. His goal 
is a relationship with me. He will never leave me, never forsake me, never mislead me, never forget me, never overlook me, and never cancel my appointment in his appointment book. If I fall, he lifts me up. If I fail, he forgives. When I'm weak, he is strong. When I'm lost, he's the way. When I'm afraid, he's my courage. When I stumble, he steadies me. When I'm hurt, he heals me. When I'm broken, he mends me. When I'm blind, he leads me. When I'm hungry, he feeds me. When I face trials he's with me when I face persecution he shields me when I face problems he comforts me when I face loss he provides for me when I face death he carries me home He's everything for everybody, everywhere, every time, and every way. He is God. He is faithful. I am his, and he is mine. And the writer goes on to finish it like this. My Father in heaven can whip the father of this world. And if you're wondering why I feel so secure, understand this. He said it. That settles it. God's in control. I'm on his side, and it means all is well with my soul. Who am I talking about? Jesus. Let me just tell you a few things, and I'm going to go through these as fast. You can get on the website later and slow it down, and you can write it down. But this is what it talks about, the name. He said, when you pray, pray like this. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. He said for, we're in, in Matthew 18, where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. He said in Mark 16, go you into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. I kind of quoted this earlier. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. These signs shall follow them that believe. In my name they shall cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents, and if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They'll lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. Brother Andy, in a moment, we're going to lay hands on you because I know you've been hurting all day today with your back and you've pulled something, torn something. But I just want to set the stage that the God I serve is able to instantaneously take whatever's hurting and whatever's going and in the name of Jesus, but we're not quite yet there. Brother Stephen back there, he had texted, I think you got the email, Brother uh, uh, Perryman, I know I did, but he told us in men's prayer that he had uh, a family he's connected to, that their son has gotten all just messed up in some pretty demonic things. And he doesn't like what's happening. And so they had asked Brother Stephen back there, they said, would you come and would you pray for us? And, and if you got to cast them out, cast them out, but we need peace in our home. I saw him as he walked in. I said, how'd it go? He said, well, it went kind of easy. He said, I really expected a little bit more of a fight, but that's the God I serve. Let me tell you, if you get in a fight with the devil and it takes a long time, either you're not right or they don't want to be released. Because when my God gets into a situation, there is no argument, there is no fight. It's just simply he looks at it and he says, in the name of Jesus, be gone. He said, Verily I say unto you, he that believeth on me, the works that I do shall you do also. And greater works than these shall you do, because I go to my Father. But whatsoever you ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified. John chapter 16, he takes it a little bit further. In that day you aren't going to ask me nothing. Verily, verily, or listen closely. I say to you, whatsoever you ask in the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Hitherto for you have not asked me anything in my name. But ask and you shall receive, and that your joy may be full. 
Acts chapter 2 verse 21. And it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. I told you I was going to take you one other place, one other story. And again, I'm not trying to be ignorant. But to be honest, when people are ignorant or when things are ignorant, it just needs to get called out. Time Magazine article, I don't know if it was actually in the magazine, but it was online. January the 8th, 2010. A businessman, it was kind of a part interview, part article, but a businessman named Raman Ishmael, he's 47. His face contorted in rage and disbelief, said, why are the Christians claiming Allah? He shakes his hand and raises his voice while waiting on a taxi, a main uh, on some street, a thoroughfare in Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia's capital. Everyone in the world knows that Allah is the Muslim God and belongs to all Muslims. I can't understand why Christians want to claim Allah as their God. And just, I don't have time to get into it. What was happening is there was a a Catholic uh, uh, magazine there. And so since you're using uh, uh, the language of those times, when they would say the word God, it translates to Allah. So it wasn't that we were having people wanting to necessarily to worship the same Allah that perhaps the Islamics worship, but it was simply the fact that, that Allah in that language means God. But they were getting all bent out of shape. You can read it. Anger turned to violence late on Thursday night. They firebombed men, masked men on motorcycles, firebombed three churches in the city. They gutted the ground floor of the Metro Tabernacle Church, and it was all because they said, leave Islam alone. Don't use his name not trying to be ignorant but can I just I would if I was afraid I wouldn't hurt myself I'd stand on this pulpit and I would yell as loudly as I could you can use his name anytime you need him there's no nobody has a monopoly on the presence and the power of God if you want to use it in Kuala Lumpur then why don't you begin to call on the name of Jesus if you want to use it in Kenya call on the name of Jesus if you want to use it in Islamabad if you want to use it in the Netherlands if you want to use it in Russia you can use his name because there's no other name given among men under heaven among men whereby we must be saved you say pastor you've been pretty passionate about all of this yes I have it's because I am a recipient of the power of his name time doesn't permit me to tell you everything that I've been able to see even in this church but this is where I want to end and I want to take you to this point what happens after they begin to talk and after that that kangaroo court there in Acts chapter 4. They've backed Peter and James, Peter and John in a corner. They've tried to convince them that this isn't real, but they can't deny the power of God and the lame man that's dancing and leaping and won't shut up about it. And they tell him, they say, here's what we do. You can't preach it. You can't talk about it. You can't do anything. And of course, Peter and John said, well, whatever, stop me. But I I was intrigued, verse 23. When Peter and John were released, this is chapter 4, verse 23. They went to their friends and they reported what the chief priests and the elders had said to them. And when they had heard it, this was the church, for lack of a better word. They went back to the church. And when they heard that, this is what they began to pray. They said, Sovereign Lord, 
who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in it, and who the, through the mouth of our father David, your servant, said by the Holy Spirit, why do the Gentiles raise and rage and all the people plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and rulers are gathered around against the Lord and his anointed, meaning that there is going to be a pushback against the church and the testimony and the witness. For truly in this city, they're gathered around together against your holy servant Jesus. Herod and Pontius Pilate along with the Gentiles and the people of Israel they wanted to do whatever your hand and plan and predestined to take place and they did everything they could to stop it but now Lord look on their threats this is where you and I have got to get and grant to your servants to continue to preach the word with all boldness while you stretch forth your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant Jesus and when they prayed the place in which they were gathered was shaken and they were filled again with the Holy Spirit again that's a stirring up of it and they continued to speak the word of God with boldness earlier at the end of chapter 3 I believe or the beginning of chapter 4 it mentioned that 5,000 were added to the church now you're upwards of 8,000 and probably more by that time the church of God is growing. You say, Pastor, why did, what's all this for? Here's where it all boils down. You and I need to start praying that prayer. Lord, grant me boldness to tell my friends, my family, my church, or my, my, my work, or my school what is happening at church. Let me just, give me boldness just to say, look what the Lord has done. Look what the Lord has done. And then, Lord, as I'm testifying, as I'm saying, you, you need to check out what happened at church last Sunday night. Then, Lord, I'm asking that you would still stretch forth your hand. Let healing occur. Let signs and wonders begin. Lord, we need the miraculous once more. All of that brings it together to this. The church in the book of Acts grew because people were not afraid to talk about it. And to tell people this is what God is doing. It didn't always work out. Oh, Stephen in the Bible, he told people what was going on and they stoned him. It don't always work out like a plan. You'll get a door slammed in your face here or there. You'll have somebody say, I don't believe in all that hooey. But I'll tell you this. When you start seeing somebody walk when they couldn't walk before... And when you start seeing homes get knit back together when divorce was right on the cusp of happening. And when you see healings and backs begin to occur. And when you see families begin to, to, to move. And when you see young people that were living for the devil now turning around and giving their life to God. It's hard to argue with that. And I know this world is dark. And I know there's awful things in it. And I know it's hard. And I know that, that, that the, it's, it's dark and, and nasty and vulgar. Listen to me, young people. If you've got the Holy Ghost, there's not a darkness in this world that your light can't banish away. There's not a darkness, there's not a vulgarity, there's not any type of sin or iniquity that you can't walk in with your head high and say, let me tell you about my Jesus. And I promise you, watch when the light of the world steps in, darkness has to flee. I'm 
praying right now that this church would get that prayer in their mind, that prayer in the back of your mind each and every day. Lord, would you grant with me boldness to speak your word and would you stretch your hand to heal and let signs and wonders be performed through the name of Jesus. And when they pray, the place is shaken. telling you right now you can pray to Jesus I want you just to stand right now something's beginning to moving something's beginning to happen mm. some people have said but pastor why don't we see those miracles why don't we see those miraculous things I promise you this, Jesus, nor his name, and all, the, all his name does is it, is it identifies that God. That's all it is. But it's not lost its power. The blood he shed on Calvary, it's not lost its power. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. But I'll tell you why there seems to be a lack of power. It's because too many have stopped praying to the sovereign God. Dr. R.A. Torrey said it this way, Nothing lies beyond the reach of prayer except that that lies beyond the will of God. He said, pray for great things. Expect great things. Worked for great things. But above all, pray. 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 That church in, the, in, in Acts did not ask for protection. It did not ask for blessing. It did not ask for God to blind the eyes of those that were coming. At this point, Saul is still going and breathing out threatenings and slaughters. And in just a little bit, Stephen's going to be stoned. They weren't asking for protection. They said, God, grant me boldness that I can witness like I've never witnessed before. I'm going to open these altars. There needs to be some of these type prayers beginning to pray. But as we do that, Brother Andy, I want you to come right here because I just believe that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Brother Perryman, Brother Harris, somebody help me. If you believe that God is the same God that he is in the Old Testament or the New, I want you to begin to stretch your hands right now. Lord we have prayed God we have preached your word and you said that your word would not return void so in the name of Jesus by that same authority by that same power that Peter was able to claim I say I don't have silver and gold I don't have a silver tongue that can say everything perfectly but what I can say is in the name of Jesus 